Hi there, and welcome to the Praying Christian Women podcast. I'm Jamie Hampton, and today I'm excited that I get to be here with Erin Weideman, who is the founder of Truth Becomes Her, which is a brand that equips moms and women with resources to help them to step into their unique leadership roles. And she's so much more than that. She's an author, speaker, podcaster, coach, homeschool consultant. She does all the things. And I just found out she has an eight-week-old baby, and she's here with us. So Erin, you're amazing. Thank you for being here. <laughs> oh, Jamie, thanks so much. It's yeah, life with a new baby and trying to work from home and homeschooling is quite the adventure. Um, but yeah, I know I'm excited to be here. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah. Well, I just, I think the issue when I, when I was reading about all the different stories that you have to tell and just all of the different things that you speak to, the hardest part is figuring out how we're going to like narrow it down and, and get to all of it. So we might not get to all of it. Maybe we'll have to have you back on, but, um, I would love that. <laughs> but today, you know, we're going to talk today, I think a lot about just your journey of getting from, you know, you basically were a self self-described atheist and quote mean girl, which I can't, I, I don't even know how that was possible. Just <laughs> hearing you and knowing what you're doing now. Um, but now you're, you're living for the Lord and you have just a, a growing ministry. Um, so yeah, we're going to talk about those things, but before we do, we always like to ask our guests, um, what's your favorite prayer closet? Where do you like to go to be with God? I'm in it right now. This is the upstairs sort of area that we have. That's sort of our playroom. You can see it behind me and then oh, our guest the area, house. but no one's like up here ever, um, unless they're playing in the day. So it's the place I can come with my coffee and just look outside and see the beautiful things that God created and just talk to him. I love this area of the house. It's very that's, quiet up here. That is great. I love that. And you've answered my other question, coffee or tea. It sounds like you're a coffee girl. I actually drank tea earlier because I have a little bit of a sore throat. I thought, oh, tea, yeah, this will help me. But tea is just so secondary to coffee um, to me <laughs> just in my life. I'm a coffee girl all the way, but I am oddly drinking tea right now. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm, yeah, I'm sorry that you, that you woke up with a sore throat, but we, we prayed that God would sustain your voice. And yeah, if you need a break, just let us know and we'll, we'll hit the pause. Um, well, so I just want to kind of go back to the beginning of the before, of before you knew the Lord. So just tell us a little bit about that, what, um, where you were and, and what that turning point was for you. Yeah, I grew up in Orange, California. My parents and my sister and I all went to the same church school combo downtown, um, just a tiny little church. And I was very good at playing church. I wanted to do well in school. So I would go to Sunday school. I'd memorize all the stories and, um, you know, go to church every week. And none of the things I was talking about or learning about at school and church were happening in my house. We didn't pray. We didn't read the Bible. And so I kind of just naturally fell away from a faith. I didn't really understand what a deep and meaningful relationship with Jesus was supposed to look like. And so I was about 16 when I really allowed the worldly influences to sort of take over, because I got really excited about achieving academically and athletically, I thought I can get really good grades and feel really good about myself. I can get a scholarship to play softball because that was my, you know, the sport of choice that I loved playing growing up. Mm -hmm. And those were just the two pillars I built my identity on. I got a full scholarship to play softball at Penn State University, went there, had a great career, you know, played lots of sports, was not walking with the Lord, made every mistake you could make as a young person in my early teens and young adulthood. 
And then graduated and just was doing the young adult thing for a long time. I laid down my gifts and talents and God always wired me to be a communicator. I love stories and words and writing. I read the dictionary as a kid. Like I was that nerd. <laughs> um, but I laid it all down at 22, 23 and thought I got to, you know, forget about my gifts. Who cares? I'm, I have no relationship with God. I'm just doing my own thing. I've got to go out into the world, and make money. I just was insecure. I was looking around at other women and all the people ahead of me and thinking I, I've got to catch up. So I took a job in finance, completely ill-suited for my giftings, was crunching numbers and doing math all day, um, made a lot of money, bought a house. And in that season, I remember saying to myself, like, if I could buy a house by the time I was 25 as an unmarried woman, how impressive is that going to be to people? So I bought the house. I was 25. We had a housewarming party, moved in. And then three months later, I was diagnosed with metastasized aggressive thyroid cancer. I had felt a lump when I was at Penn State in my neck, just back here, and um, had it checked by a team doctor who told me, you know, don't worry about it. You're a healthy athlete. You have no symptoms. It's probably nothing. So I didn't, I just forgot about it. And then my mom, you know, there was 25. She goes, hey, you should really get that checked out. She took me to the doctor's office. She was there with me. The doctor did a very quick exam. And after about 30 seconds, he just stopped and he put his hands on my hands and he looked right into my eyes and said, Aaron, you have cancer. I can feel it all over the top half of your whole body. I can feel it up in your neck and behind the base, like where your brainstem is. And I can feel it. It's, it's going down into your chest and into your heart cavity. And I thought you're describing all the important parts of someone's body. Like this is not, this is an emergency. Um, and he said, yes, it is an emergency. What are you doing tomorrow? We need to have a surgery. We confirmed it the next day. And that really set me on a completely different trajectory. I was thrust into a season of a lot of pain, a lot of suffering. I did not know the Lord. And so it was just a really dark time for me. I was scared. I didn't know that God had a plan for my life. I had never really sought him or prayed to ask him, you know, God, what's the work in the world you gave me to do? What are my gifts and how am I supposed to use those gifts? How do you want to partner with me to to share people with you, I just said never learned to ask any of those questions, but I started in that season to think about, gosh, maybe I'm wrong. You know, maybe I'm wrong about the Lord and maybe he exists and has a plan for me. And my heart's been so hard for so many years. What if I just gave him a chance to show up? Um, and he really did show up for me in the middle of a treatment, uh, which is kind of a weird time, but I can tell that story if you guys want to hear it. I definitely want to hear it. And so for me, what's kind of surprising Ooh. is that you were an atheist, you didn't believe in God, oh, yeah. and then you hit this hard time that really, in my mind, might make you say, how could a, if there is a God, how could he let this happen to me? But for you, I don't know, maybe it's, do you think it's because of your foundation of hearing those stories as a child that it came back? And I mean, obviously it was the Holy Spirit prompting you, but for you to come to that point and say, maybe he does have a plan. Maybe this bad thing, you know, is part of his plan. So what do you think made that happen as opposed to you definitely the other way? Yeah. So two, two sort of parts to the answer to that question. So I'm super grateful now to look back. And even though my heart was so hard, I didn't understand. I had no example. I, I fell away from the Lord. I did have the foundational knowledge of, okay, God exists. He made the world. I didn't believe it, but I had it inside from the learning I did as a young person. Um, you know, I had heard Jesus died for me. I had heard that he was the perfect son of God. And I knew all the stories, but I didn't, I couldn't see how they weaved all together. And once I started, you know, when you fast forward and I started treatment for the first diagnosis in cancer, 
I did what a lot of people do when you don't have your faith to stand on. I just tried to do it in my own strength. And I tried to bear the weight of this burden by myself. Mm. And sometimes the burdens that we face just are too difficult. And I'm so grateful now that it was too difficult for me. So I, I, you know, a couple months into the treatment, I did the surgeries and the doctor, I was gearing up to do this 72 hour quarantine where they blast you internally with this dose of radiation and you have to be quarantined, like shut up in a room for 72 hours and you can't come out. Mm. And I did it at my parents' house. My parents, bless them, moved their entire, like all their clothes and everything out of their bedroom. So I could live in their room for three days. It had the attached bathroom and my little house in orange. And I, I went inside, I closed the door and around, you know, and the medicine's starting to work and I'm starting to panic because no one's in there. I'm by myself. And I got so dizzy and scared. I thought I'm going to faint and no one can come in here and help me. Mm. And so I, I crawled into the bathroom in my parents' room. I crawled in there and I put my face on the floor of the bathroom and I have never, I never prayed in my life. And really thought that there was a God who was listening that cared about me. But I remember saying out loud, God, if you're real, I'm sorry. I need you to help me. This is too hard. Um, I can't do this by myself. I just, I need, I need you if you're real. Sorry. I'm so emotional because um, he just met me on the floor of the bathroom (laughs) and I felt God's presence. I felt his peace. There was no one in there who could make it better, who could make me feel less sick And there he was. I did feel peaceful. I felt sustained in that moment. I didn't know why, but I, you know, by his miracle, I I got through the 72 hours. I started to feel better. You know, the medicine was working and had worked its way through what it was supposed to do. And then I got out of that room and I thought, maybe I'm wrong about the whole, maybe I'm wrong about everything. And if I'm not going to live very long and there is a God, otherwise, who was I talking to in there? Maybe I need to start asking him, what is, do do you have a plan? Is there a plan? Do I not know what I'm doing? And it became so clear to me that I had wasted so much of my talent and my gifts and my resources and the time that God gave me, not living for him, not pursuing his kingdom, not being attuned to his voice and discerning what he was telling me because my heart was so hard. My ears were off. So I got out of that room and I just started asking those questions and God shows up when we seek him when we seek him we find him and a lot of us don't seek you know we are we're just off doing our own thing or we think we know best and we're in control of everything but man at least in my in my experience when we seek him when we ask him to show himself true to us and to show himself faithful and to show up in our lives he does it and i just have testament testimony after testimony of him showing up but that initial one was what I needed, it was that violent shove into reality that I just needed to know that there was a God that cared about me and that he had a different and better plan for my life, better than anything I could create for myself. That's amazing. And isn't it, and I think even as Christians, we can ignore him and, you know, I mean, not, not just as someone that doesn't know God, but as someone who knows God, who has a relationship with him, I think we can just the times where we just kind of coast on, on previous experiences with God, or not that it's all about experiences either, just previous faith in God and previous relying on him or motivation to live for him. I think we can really fall into those patterns of just stagnating and and coasting. So did, 
did your family, did your parents know God? Like, were they, were they part of that journey at that point? And so I think they, yeah, they grew up, you know, in the same situation I did, but I think for them, it was all, you know, the routine and just the, the easiness of what you do, right. Um, you know, you're enrolled in school, you're learning these lessons, but you're not coming home and having your parents, you know, my grandparents make it practical, make it real. Um, and so I think church for us, my entire family just felt like it's some, it was something you did outside the house. Right. And then, and you never once considered like, what, what are the implications of what I'm learning and what I'm hearing and what I'm singing, you know, in these hymns and studying and God's word from the standpoint of like, let's get a good grade in Sunday school and let's check the box to what is this actually, what are the implications for it to be real and meaningful and practical as it's supposed to be lived out? So I just think so many parents and grandparents, like generationally, it's been routine, it's been ritual, and it hasn't been that relationship. And we just miss so much of who God is when we're not deepening our relationship with him, when we're not talking to him daily, when we're not bringing him our cares and not just in our brokenness, but actually asking God to find the areas in our life where we need to be changed and transformed so we can pursue righteousness and be holy because that's what he's calling us to. He's not just calling us to be broken people from now until the day we die. He's called us to restoration. He's given us it. He's given us salvation and, and a, a perfect way to live, a perfect example to follow. And we're going to mess it up. But certainly we can live for Jesus every day. We can tell people about him and invite people into a deeper relationship. But it really starts with us and the example we're setting for, the, for ourselves and the people around us. Absolutely. And I think what you said there is so important. Like, I think the one side for maybe people that go through difficult times and think if there's a God, why would this happen? Maybe have this perspective that God is that, that if there is a God that he's, he's enjoying watching us wallow in brokenness. But like you said, that brokenness, he, he doesn't want us to remain there. The whole point is in this world, we're going to have trouble. We are broken people. And he wants to, to, redeem that brokenness and reclaim it and repurpose it into good things and into, into, you know, good things for us and glory for him. And for you to be able to see that, that was huge. Um, yeah, it's so funny that you say that too, because he, like in my experience and so many people, you know, I, I didn't just have cancer one time. It came back five. I mean, I had it five times total over five years. So it just continued yeah. to come back like every nine, 12 months. And it was like, it got easier as it went on. It started to feel more like a part-time job because I had the Lord in it and I could see he was doing something and I could see how he was transforming my heart, how he was making me softer and more pliable and more open to what he wanted to show me. He brought me my husband, um, you know, and you're dating through the middle of a cancer journey is not something I'd recommend for anyone, but like what a blessing that this man came alongside me who had a relationship with the Lord, who wanted to pursue me when any other person would have been like, this person is damaged. She is in the middle of like an intense season of pain and suffering. She may not even live. Like, what's the point? And here he was like sitting at the doctor's office with me doing puzzles with my mom in the waiting room while I, you know, waiting for me to get out of surgery. And God really showed up in him and in other people. Um, but I look back at my journey and I don't think that my miraculous healing from cancer is the biggest bless. It's not the one I cherish the most. Certainly him healing my physical body is an amazing blessing, 
But the real blessing, the real miracle in my life is what he did to my hard and ugly heart. Mm. He just, he took somebody who was so angry, thought she knew everything, so insecure, so broken. And he used a terrible disease to write her perspective and to change her it, in such a way that I, I get to live every day in just the, the peace of life and the excitement of I've got air in my lungs today. I, I, God woke me up today. What do I go and get to do? What do I get to experience with my husband and my children? And I mean, I never expected to live this long. I'm, I'm 13 years out of my first diagnosis. And I thought there was no hope in that season. I thought I was going to die. And um, it just shows you for anybody who's listening, who's like, who, who thinks, and they can put God in this little box. Like, I know what God's doing. And I know he's, he's just, this is to punish me. And this is to do all this different stuff. You just have no idea what God is doing through this painful, hard, intense, challenging thing. And just wait and seek him in it. And he's going to show up. And if he gave you air in your lungs today, there's something that he wants you to do. And instead of having anxiety or stress or being worried about the future, just live in that present peace of who he is. And um, that he's inviting you into something today because you've got air to breathe, because you've got people to, to impact. Amen. Wow. That is powerful. Just that perspective is powerful. And I can just hear it in your voice. I mean, I can just hear that enthusiasm and passion for life. Um, you kind of touched on it and it was kind of a question I wanted to know because I knew you, you had been through five different cancer diagnoses. And my question was, did your, how did your prayer life change in the course of that? And it sounds like it almost got easier. I just wonder, did it get harder every time? Like, Oh, come on, God, not again. Or, okay, here we go again, God, you've got this. I mean, how did your prayer life change from moment one, when you acknowledge that maybe God exists to coming to the end of that, that journey with cancer treatment? It changed dramatically. I mean, that messy, ugly, crying prayer on the bathroom floor was like the cry out. Like, is there a God? Like, are you listening? Are you here? Um, it was so just superficial, I think, because I needed just help in that moment in a very raw and real way. And as the cancer started to come back, like I said, God, God thankfully brought me into a relationship with him. I started to seek him, you know, going to a Bible study and, and meeting in a small group for the first time and being so impressed by the body of Christ, never having seen anyone interact in a small group and pray for each other and lay hands on each other and support each other and completely not in a non-judgmental way. I remember going to my first adult Bible study going, oh my gosh, I'm the only judgmental person in this Bible study. And <laughs> just being so taken aback by God's people and how loving and compassionate and non-judgmental they were, the Holy Spirit really convicted me. And so as the cancer, you know, continued to come back, I'm dating my husband. He's showing me what pursuit of God can look like. And I'm meeting all these Christians that are really giving me a second chance to look at, again, what that deeper relationship is like, and not just the, oh, we go to church on Sundays and we check all the boxes. But man, I think my prayer life really just shifted in that season to God, what are you doing through this? And watching him bring me out of such a pit in that first diagnosis, you know, nine hour surgery, so many treatments, blasted with radiation. I had no hope to survive that 
and then get a clear, you know, get a, you're good to go. And then the very next scan was, okay, it's back. Let's start it all over again. I thought immediately, well, God, if God could heal me from that disaster of the first diagnosis, he can heal this recurrence. He can kill the, heal the small, you know, set of tumors that is kind of flaring up again. And now we, I, I just need to treat this like a responsible, you know, diligent person would and do the treatment and be responsible, be my own advocate and talk to my doctors and make decisions and try to be as healthy as I can and just allow him to show me what he's trying to show me by, you know, the continual recurrence of this disease over and over and over. I mean, my husband and I, we didn't, we didn't take a honeymoon trip. We got married in 2011 and we went to the Mayo Clinic for a very romantic surgery. (laughs) There was no, there was no special like fun honeymoon period. We just were thrust into like, okay, we're doing this. And it was very up in the air and, you know, every day is a gift. Lord, thank you so much for bringing me this person to build a life with. And I don't know how long it's going to last, but then out of nowhere, you know, I started getting clear scans in 2012 and I got two in a row in six months. And I went in the entire time I've been sick. This has never happened to me. I don't, I don't know what this means, but I'm joyful about it. And it was so funny because I said to my husband, I think God's opening us up a little window to have a baby. And we were, we got pregnant like two months later. It was, it's so interesting how God shut the door on us on a really hard season and ushered us into, you know, marriage and parenting and, you know, starting a business together and becoming entrepreneurs and ministry partners together. And man, I like, if you would have said this to me 10 years ago, this is a path God's going to have you on of it. And like, Oh, you're nuts, you know, but it's just, it's neat. It's neat to watch him work when you just invite him into, and you start asking him like, what are you trying to show me in this? What, what is this for? Cause, cause I know it's for something and I have faith. I do believe. Um, but just asking him, he's so faithful. He's so faithful to tell us a lot of times we just don't know because we don't ask him. Well, so you've talked about kind of the, the people surrounding you after you came back to God and your husband and church community and small group. Um, were there people that you know of when you fell away from God and, and became an atheist that were praying for you or that you've come to know later had been praying for you? I'm just curious if there were people that you know of that were praying for you. Gosh, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, nobody in my family was, I do not come from a long line of generational, you know, believers or strong Christians. Um, I don't know that anyone was praying for me. I just know that God was after me. He was Um, after you. And he was chasing me. And um, yeah, I, I have no idea. I, I'm sure they were out there. I'm sure my Sunday school teacher and some people from my my previous hard heart season or set of seasons, because it was a long time, mm-hmm. um, cared enough to do that. And I want to encourage anybody listening to, gosh, prayer is so powerful. I know this podcast is all about praying and just seeking the Lord and his wisdom and finding out how he wants to partner with us. But Man, if there, I mean, I've got people in my life too that need that prayer, that need to be sparked with curiosity to know more about him, whose hearts are just as hard as mine was. So um, I just want to challenge anybody out there, pray for those people, pray for those people, ask God to open, supernaturally open their hearts up and provide opportunities for the Holy Spirit to move in their lives. Yeah. And I mean, I was going to ask you what specific prayers might you have, having been that person that we're praying for now what would the specific prayers be? And, but the one you started with is 
the key, pray that the Holy Spirit would just open their eyes. I mean, that's the, that's the foundation of it all is just being resurrected from spirit, from death to life. I mean, the Holy Spirit can do that. Are there any other practical prayers or things that you feel like were instrumental in you coming out of that season or little things along the way that helped maybe prepare you to receive that knowledge during your time of your diagnosis or? Yeah. I mean, I remember, and this, these verses, you know, Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew six, you know, he talks about seeking first the kingdom of God and not really thinking when I was young about what that meant. That's just a nice thing. It's a nice sounding thing. But when you really think about it, what, what does that mean? Like, what does God value above everything, above all the natural things he made, all the mountains and the trees and the seas and the sky and the birds and everything? He values people more than anything. People are what is, are going to last when everything is gone. When we all make it to eternity, the thing that will remain is, is his, his children. And I think that's always stuck with me that God loves us so much that he's made a way for us to join him there. And there are people out there who have rejected him just like I did. There are people out there who don't even know about him, who have never even heard the name of Jesus. And so as believers, and I just missed this growing up in all the box checking I did and memorizing of Bible stories, I missed the part of scripture, the deep part where God wants to partner with us to welcome people into his kingdom. Mm -hmm. And what can we do? What's our part in that is just to share him with people in every way that we can think of. Um, So yeah, that verse, I think those verses really have shown up throughout many different seasons when I was walking with him, when I wasn't walking with him. And it's just something I feel like that guides our ministry, guides our family. It's those, that set of verses really is what we funnel every decision through. You know, is this contributing to the winning of souls? Is this contributing to the making of a disciple? Um, So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's so exciting to be able to partner with the Lord in creativity, professionally, personally, inside our family and all the ways God invites us into that. But I think those verses, that's that set of scriptures for me has just been there from the beginning um, and continues to resurface as God shows me more about who he is. I love that. I love the way you put that, that partnership with God, because it takes prayer and our communicating with him out of this compartment and it opens it up just to like a holistic it's part of who we are. It's part of our lives. It's part of your ministry. It's part of your work, whether your work is what you would call Christian or not yours is, but not everyone's is. And so, you know, God can partner with us in all of those things to, to reach out for that purpose of, of shining his light on those people and welcoming them into that's, I love that. Have you heard about our Patreon community? Patreon provides a way for listeners like you to partner with us to reach more women with the Praying Christian Women podcast and our other prayer resources. For as little as $1 a month, you'll get exclusive access to video recordings of podcast episodes, including some early access to episodes before they've even been published. You'll also be able to listen to our entire archive of retired episodes of the Prevailing Prayer podcast, where our podcasting partnership began. 
you'll get sneak peeks of our newest prayer resources, as well as virtual retreats and other audio and video bonuses. To find out more, head over to prayingchristianwomen.com slash partner right now and check it out. Well, so you're, tell us, tell us about, I know you do so many things, but tell us about what you do, um, your passion for discipling young women and girls. Where did that come yeah, from? So, and what does that look yes. like? So when I got done with that first treatment, I thought, okay, I'm not going to live very long. God, what am I supposed to be doing? And God wrenched my soul for children. Hmm. I have always had a very special relationship with them and I love words and stories. So I thought, okay. I can't go back into finance. I'm going to become a teacher. So I was still doing treatment. I enrolled in a teacher credentialing program, completed it in 11 months, got into the classroom, started teaching kids, you know, got saved in the middle of that, met my husband, like all the things are rolling around in there. And then many years into my teaching career, my heart started to break for girls. I wasn't a mom yet. I wasn't a girl mom yet. I was just looking at the girls in my class. I taught high school, K through four, middle school. I taught everybody. And I'm looking at the girls just going, they are me. They're missing who they are. They don't know God. They don't know what he says about them. They are insecure, constantly comparing themselves to everybody they see. They don't understand what he says about beauty. Can we do something? Can we do something that would connect girls to God's word through the stories of women? so that they could see how God has historically used women powerfully inside his narrative. And we were on the way home from church one day, my husband and I having a friendly debate about what to get our niece for her birthday. She was five years old at the time. And I thought her name's Hannah. There is a beautiful story of Hannah in the Bible. It's all about praying and just surrendering to the Lord's will and knowing he has a plan and story of Samuel. It's such a great story, right? So let me simplify it so she can understand it. My husband made a cover. We took it to Kinko's and had it bound. It was very official. And then we gave it to her outside church. And she, I remember on her birthday, she hugged it to her chest and she said, Auntie Erin, I love this book so much. I didn't know there was a Hannah in the Bible. And I said, well, who's your favorite woman in the Bible? And she said, I don't know. And she couldn't name one. Uh. And she and her sister could name every single Disney princess and tell me every detail of those stories. And I thought, this is a problem. Is there a way we could connect girls meaningfully to scripture so that when they think about heroes and women to look up to and women who can show them how to have that deeper relationship with God, we can point them to the Bible. So let's do that. So my husband and I, I mean, we contacted an author we didn't know and said, Hey, we have some questions about writing a book. We don't have any experience. You know, I'm a teacher. She answered us back, helped us find an illustrator, a book designer, an editor. We, God showed us very quickly, this wasn't going to be like a traditional publishing project. You know, we met with literary agents who were like, you don't have a platform. You're a teacher. You don't have social media. Everything's private. Like no one's (laughs) going to, no, no publisher is going to invest in this. It's such a good, it's such a good idea, but no one's going to do this. And so my husband and I were just like, well, we could, we could, you know, flush out a retirement account and create the first book and maybe God would like continue to take it one step at a time. And that's what he's done. Uh, we wrote the first, I wrote the first book. It took me three years because I was doing it in the middle of grading papers and chasing one-year-old Bruni around. <laughs> and then we finally got like 3000 books that we sold out of my friend's garage one at a time on our little website. And God has completely 
multiplied and expanded everything that we've done. We're, we're now on our 12th book. We've got a series of books that highlights women of the Old Testament to show girls about God's character and what he says about them and how to be effective leaders, that it's not just about building good character, but what it means to actually be a kingdom leader. And then our new book coming out is all about New Testament women and the story of Jesus and the gospel. So it's been so beautiful to dive into God's word, to pray with him constantly and say, Lord, who are the the women that we want to connect girls to that will get them excited about knowing you, knowing more about you, seeking the answers to what they need in scripture and in prayer with you? Who are those women, God? And women just, and, and the Lord just showed me, you know, as, as someone who is, you know, I'm a teacher, I'm a first time mom. I didn't expect to, you know, I'm not a Bible scholar. I, I've got all these, you know, negatives swirling around in my head um, as an early writer. And God just really, really ministered to my heart. And he just said, look, I can use you if you're, eight, if you're willing and obedient and will sit here and be creative with me. We can come up with something really cool together. And that's what we've done. And it's all, it's all him. I'm just, I just get to write these stories. And like I said, I read the dictionary as a kid. So I just love words (laughs) and figuring out like fun ways to tell these stories. So girls get really excited about the women in the Bible and knowing more about what God says in his works. That's the point. That is so great. So a fun story is that uh, I actually ordered the Bible Bells books, the adventures of Rooney Cruz Bible stories. Um, for my nieces because they both have birthdays in November. And so I just, I got these for them and I'm, I have a daughter, so I'm going to get either get them for her or give my mother-in-law an opportunity to get them for her. But I just, I loved these. So there's, um, because I like the way you took the idea of like the Disney princesses. So you have Abigail, the bell of bravery and Deborah, the bell of leadership. Um, let's see, what are the others? Esther, the bell of patience. And Hannah, the bell of prayer, Ruth, the bell of loyalty. And it's just so neat the way you, the way you put that, because I think that about a lot of different things. I think about, okay, so my kids know, um, you know, all the different things you could do on Minecraft. They could describe all these things, you know, or they know, uh, Pokemon cards, who these Pokemon are and what they do. Is there, Bible knowledge that extensive. And, and like you said, what can we do to make it exciting and fun? Like, and this is perfect. This is so perfect. So I am excited about those books. And so what is the age span of all the different books you've written? Yeah. So the herd series, we call it, it's Hannah, Esther, Abigail, Ruth, and Deborah Okay, ages four to 10. So like pre-readers mm-hmm. all the way to like nine, 10, even 11, will read it on their own. Um, and yeah, and yeah, it's been really cool to Again, not just want to help girls memorize and know a few facts about the Bible. That's why we created a modern day, like nine-year-old character, Rooney Cruz. She's just like your typical girl. She doesn't have it figured out. She's got questions about life. She's insecure, doesn't know how to assert herself. She struggles with confidence and just helping her gain insight into these women, the, the women of the Bible, the, into their lives and to pull wisdom and life lessons that she can apply to the situations that she faces, the challenges that come up in her life. That's been the most meaningful, I think, for me. And I love hearing that, like, your jo- you know, you've got girls in your life that you're thinking about, you know, we want to be able to make the Bible not entertaining. Because that's, I mean, so much of media and all of the different brands and things that are out there 
are for entertainment purposes. Like why we created Bible Bells was to help instill in girls, help, help grow inside them an eternity mindset, mm-hmm. not just create something that's fun and engage. I mean, it is like we hired an, a former Disney animator to do all the drawings. Our book designer worked at VeggieTales. We want it to be really high quality. When you look at it next to Disney and Pixar, it should feel as, you know, as high of quality as that is. So for us, it just, it's been really exciting to engage readers through a modern day narrative that pairs well with these biblical stories and shows them, gosh, these women in the Bible, I can really look to them for inspiration and for guidance as I make decisions in my own life. Yeah. Well, and it makes them, it makes them come alive. It makes it more than, I think sometimes, especially for kids that are, you know, growing up in Sunday school, if they hear the stories, you know, there might, there's one end of the spectrum, maybe they haven't heard of these women, but the other end of the spectrum, maybe they've heard the story over and over in a way that makes it just kind of like, okay, that was that. But when you have this person, they can relate to having a conversation with them or experiencing them as a real life person. I think that really, that makes it come alive. And, and I like the applications, the way that you attach a value or a, a character trait to each of them to kind of explore, to simplify it and, and help them, I don't know, just to apply it to their own lives and to, to, like you said, grow their confidence. And I love it. So that's exciting. That's one thing that helps us even too. And when we're, I know we're talking about prayer too, like it's been so helpful. I think as a mom of, you know, my daughter's going to be seven And she's grown up through us having the idea for Bible Bells. And she was like in my belly at the time to, okay, we got our first book printed and she's one. And now she can read the books on her own. So what I love about what you just said and these character traits that each, you know, being brave like Abigail, being loyal like Ruth, being a leader like Deborah, we pray for those things. We pray those, those traits and the essence of who these women were into our day. Or when we come up against a challenge, we say, okay, we need like the bravery of Abigail in this moment, we can be brave because God's strength is inside us. His courage is what makes us brave. Mm. And so it's really helped Rooney and me in our prayer life, just as a mom and a daughter to be able to recall the stories of these women and say, okay, right now we need patience like Esther because she is the queen literally of waiting, discerning God's voice, you know, fasting and, and seeking the Lord in prayer and figuring out the exact right time to do what God needed her to do in that moment to save her people. Like we need to call on the patience of Esther when, when, you know, situations come up that reflect what the women of the Bible experience. So it's been really cool. Never expecting to be a mom, but putting on my teacher hat and going, okay, how would we like practically use these concepts, these character traits, and just talk about them in our daily lives and make this part of our conversation as we both grow our faith. So it's been really cool to do that. I think it's so neat that God took you on that journey that, you know, you might've originally thought of as kind of a, a, a side shoot of, of his plan for you to be a teacher, to give you that passion. I mean, if you had never become a teacher, which, you know, then you would never have gained that insight. You would have never experienced, you know, interacting with these girls and seeing the struggles that they have. And then it equips you to teach through writing. I mean, it's just, I love that. I love seeing the the trajectory and the the different things that he's used in your life to bring about where you are now and the things that you're doing. That's so beautiful. And I think that's one thing I love about the work we get to do in our ministry. You know, my husband and I were parents to girls 
And then here we're, you know, we're shepherding this opportunity, but really just trying to be good stewards of creating a place where women and the people, the adults that care about the next generation of girls, where we can all gather together and grow and equip ourselves with what we need to lead them effectively with the language we need, the tools and the strategies, and just to have a support system available to say, we see these problems, we see what the world is bombarding girls with, they're constantly hit with all this messaging about who they are, it contradicts God, it contradicts the Bible and what he says about them. What can we do as the adults that care to really pour into them in a very strategic way? Because it really just has to do with pointing them to God's word. There isn't like a super cool self-help, you know, great set of strategies. Let's be really healthy human beings. We're going to miss something if we don't consistently seek the Lord in prayer and point our girls back to God's word. It is their life manual for everything. It contains all the answers to every question they have. We've got to figure out creative ways to get girls excited about God's word. And so that's what's been just such a blessing for me as a mom going, you know, I had all this cool Bible knowledge, couldn't really, you know, use it until I dug deeper and, and, you know, really cultivated a relationship with the Lord that makes more sense for how he wired all of us. But man, it's so, it's so exciting to just hear from people, hear from moms and dads and grandparents who are reading the books with their little girls and sending me messages and saying, this is so beautiful the way we're having language around beauty and identity. And we can have these really hard conversations and you're giving us a framework to pray and to seek the Lord in his wisdom for what he has for our girls, their dreams, their aspirations, how that's going to align with God's ultimate purposes for, for them. It's just what we want for all of the girls we care about. And it's just, it's cool to be part of it. Well, I, what I really, I love the fact that you had all of this knowledge, all of this, um, this plan and these things that you're, you're, uh, going to minister to girls with. And then you had girls. Did you know you were going to have girls? Like, did you just have an inkling or did you have no idea? You know, what's hilarious is here we are like, you know, launching this publishing company and I'm writing a book series to get girls connected to the women of the Bible. And I, then I get pregnant and my husband and I, like, we had a list going of, of girl names and boy names. And then we found out it was girl and we were like, why do we even have this list of boy names? Clearly God is merging <laughs> our personal and professional life to be intertwined. Like it doesn't really make sense. And I just had my second girl, Roxy, yes. who was eight weeks old. So it's just, it's hilarious. Um, we always laugh about that season of like, oh, our list of boy names. Um, but yeah, no, it's been so cool to become parents to girls. And I remember, oh my gosh, I remember like being in the first ultrasound and having the tech tell me it was a girl and just having that like sweaty terror come over my whole body. Cause I went, oh my gosh, are you sure it's not a boy? Like boys sound easier. Girls are complicated. What does this mean? Lord, no. And then I went, no, no, wait a second. God's brought me through all these amazing things. He's equipped me in certain ways. I And I just spoke that over myself. Like, no, God, you've given me gifts and talents and my unique personality and the experiences that I have. And there's nobody better to mother this little girl than I am. No one can do it the way I can. If I partner with you and you show me what you have for this little girl's life and we can discover that together. You know, I think just so often as parents, we get our own ideas about where our kids are going to go and they need to be successful and they need to do this and they need to do that. And at the end of the day, God already has a path predestined for them. 
let's just uncover it together and walk with them in it. And what, what an adventure that will be because there will be twists and turns. We, he is going to make us take risks, um, but it's going to give him a chance to show up in really big ways. So I was really nervous initially to hear I was going to be a girl mom. And then I just went, wait a second. No, Lord, you've brought me through all of these amazing experiences and I am who I am. And here I am. I, I can do this. I can do this with you. So anybody out there who's like, you got their own daughter or, you know, you're, you're looking at the girls or the kids you mentor, or the people, the young people that are around you, God's placed you inside that sphere of influence for a very specific set of reasons, not even just one reason. And when you partner with him in it, it's, it, he, it's, he's going to work it for your good. And it doesn't mean you're not going to hit challenges and you're not going to worry about your ability to do it well, but man, you can do it well because of who he made you and who he made that person. He put you guys together for a reason. It's so, it's so beautiful to watch my little girl grow up and see like it, it, my first baby, like she's such a miracle. I never expected to be a mom and I get to be with her every day. I get to nurture her and encourage her and ask for forgiveness when I screw up something inside our relationship. When I raise my voice, I get to sit on the edge of her bed and ask her to forgive me. And then we get to pray together. So it's just, it's so beautiful to know and to remind myself when I start to doubt that God did this on purpose. He put me in, in these kids' lives and he created us inside this ministry to steward it for the reasons that he has. And it's just, it's up to us to just steward it well with his help. Oh, I love that. That is such a good word. And I mean, I know that speaks to me. I remember finding out we had two boys first and then um, our little girl was like the biggest surprise of our lives. We thought we were done having kids. And I remember being in the ultrasound and them, you know, the, the technician saying we were going to have a girl and this terror, it did, it, it washed over me. And I thought, yep. oh my goodness, now no, Lord. I yeah. <laughs> have to teach her how to be a woman. And I don't know myself that I'm doing a good job of that. And it, it just felt like I had never even realized it, but you know, this idea, of course I'm raising my boys and in, in the best way that I can, but there's some element of that where I don't have to be the example of a man for them that falls on my husband. And with my daughter, it's so much more, um, I don't know. Um, I don't know. It's, it's much more there. It's a, a more grave responsibility in my mind. It was, but like you said, I love those words because as you were saying them, it was just like, you're speaking truth into, into the lives of, of all of us as moms of girls and moms of boys too. Just God has equipped you. You've got this, not because of who you are, because you're imperfect, but that he can use those imperfections even to point them to God, you know, to point them to himself. So Oh, I love it. Thank you for that. <laughs> no, I need that reminder every day, you know, and that's why we need to spend time with the Lord in prayer in his word, because we're not, you know, in our sin and in our doubtful nature, uh, we're just going to get it wrong. Sometimes we're going to agree with the enemy. And um, I don't know, that's just, that's what these supports are for, right? Like God wants us constantly attuned to his voice, hearing from him, um, believing in his word. And if we're not washing ourselves in that daily, we just, you know, the enemy can mess with us. And it's very easy to, to just agree with him, even if you don't mean to. Yeah. I think. Yeah. You just, I mean, I thought the other day, the enemy doesn't really have a voice unless I give him one. 
through my thoughts and through my words to myself or words about myself. And so Mm -hmm. it's so powerful to shut it down. You know, he has no power over us if we don't let him. So, well, you have been, so you've been in the trenches of, of working with kids, working with young women and girls and seeing their struggles for those of us that have younger girls or those that don't have girls yet. um, What are the top few things that you think girls are struggling with the most today when it comes to their identity or anything that we can Gosh, be I mean, preparing ourselves yeah. for. <laughs> Definitely. So I talk a lot about this in our, we have a six week mentorship uh, inside Truth Becomes Her called Nurturing Her Unique Voice. But I think today, I mean, girls, they're struggling with a lot, but I think what's missing, at least from the standpoint of helping them to be okay with who they are, not just okay with it, but actually living fully with a full understanding of their God-given identity, I think is a very abstract concept. So I would say, I mean, I try to focus in the mentorship and in supporting adult women and moms who are are in the trenches with these girls to try to develop some of the most essential skills for effective leadership. Because that's honestly what God is calling us to. He's calling us to leadership and influence for his kingdom. So if we stay focused on that, building traits like vulnerability when girls will shy so much away from that, right? Oh, I don't want to be honest. Let people into my business. It feels overwhelming to do that. I just want to hide, you know, showing them what authentic communication and being vulnerable is actually a skill. And it's a trait that you need for effective leadership to be able to engage people, to connect with them, to relate with them. All the things that we're wired to do as women, vulnerability and being open and honest has to be included in that. I would say helping girls develop their natural, their intuition, listening to the Holy Spirit, being able to identify and discern what is the voice of God? What is the voice of the enemy? What do I do with those words when they make their way into my, my head space, right? Wow. There, if I hear something from the Lord, how do I capture that and actually affirm it and continue on? If I hear something from the enemy, I capture that thought, but then what do I do with it? Mm. So giving girls strategies to, you know, to cut off those negative patterns of thinking. Um, we talk a lot about journaling. You know, if you've got a pattern of swirling negativity in your mind, sometimes you just need to do the physical practice of, I'm going to take that out of my mind, put it on a pen and write it down. And now that negative thought from the enemy lives inside that journal and it doesn't live in here. Mm. So there are lots of different strategies. I feel like as adult women, we can impart to the younger girls that we mentor around those things, you know, being an effective collaborator, being somebody who truly understands what empathy is and who doesn't just try to get their own way or focus on their own self and what they think, but approaching conversations and relationships with authentic curiosity so that we can understand the other person, not to agree or disagree. Cause that kind of implies I'm connected to you. If I agree with you, or I'm distant from you, if I don't agree with you. And I think that's such a lie from the enemy. We can disagree and not be, you know, see eye to eye with everybody and still maintain a loving, supportive relationship with people mm-hmm. when we aim to see things from their point of view. So all that to say, I mean, there's there's a lot of work to be done, I think, in the space of mentorship and discipleship. But if we focus on some of those, you know, they sound so abstract and, and big and how do I teach those things? We can really create lots of interesting ways to pare those down for even the smallest girl and teach through things and and do 
you know, little tools and games and activities along the way that will invite them in to learn more about how to build those traits inside themselves. That's amazing. I'm listening to all those things and I'm thinking, I could use some work on those things myself. Like our every society, day, every day. society yes. at large needs this. But like you said, I mean, and I think just the uh, becoming intentional about mentorship, it, it, it brings us to the point of accountability and improving ourselves. I think as we commit to teaching and training our girls, God's going to transform us as well and, and help us to grow as we're training them to grow. And I love the way that you've approached all of it though, with this humility of, well, when I mess up, I, I go to her and I tell her, I'm sorry. It's okay for them to see us fail because our response to that failure or that mistake is important too in discipleship and kind of, and it's not defensive, right? Like, yeah. Oh, here's why I did it. And let me rationalize for you why I made that mm-hmm. mistake. No, if I, if I made a mistake, if I raised my voice, we always talk about our home. Um, cause I'm, you know, I'm an energetic person. I'm very excited. I, for a long time, had a very abrasive personality. So sometimes our home, like, isn't that peaceful. And God really did a work in me like two seasons ago where I was like, no, our home's going to be peaceful. Like there's no need to raise your voice here, for example. So if anybody raises their voice, like any one of our people can say, Hey, you know, this home is a home of peace. We don't raise our voice here. And so, and that's like the prompt for the person who raised their voice to say, you know what? You're right. Like I'm not contributing to this environment. I'm not contributing. Our home right now isn't reflecting what, what our family says we value. Mm -hmm. So can we hold each other accountable? Can we keep those things consistent? And when we mess it up, because we will, can we sit on the bed together and hold hands and pray and ask each other for forgiveness, ask God to forgive us and move forward in his grace. And we can every time. Well, that is great. And there's so much more I could talk to you about, but I have really lost track of time and we're, we're out of time. So I just, this has been great. Thank you, Aaron, for being here and just sharing all of this. I'm, I'm really excited to dig deeper into some of your resources. And um, can you tell our listeners where they can find your books, where they can find these resources? Yeah. Thanks so much, Jamie. And, and to, I'm really excited. We've got so many exciting things on the horizon for Bible Bells. Our herd series is up on the website, our brand new book, Ringleaders, that highlights women of the New Testament. It comes out early November, but I'm so, so excited for everyone to check it out. It's at BibleBells.com. It's B-I-B-L-E-B-E-L-L-E-S.com. All of the resources are there. The book series, the devotionals, coloring books, lots of fun things for your girls to work through and just ways to get them excited about God's word. So thank you so much for having me. This was awesome. That is great. And are you on social media? Yep. I'm on social Instagram, Facebook. You can find me at Aaron.Wideman. It's W-E-I-D-E-M-A-N-N. Okay. Well, we will tag you and we'll put your information on our show notes so that everybody knows how they can get in touch with you. But this has been great. Well, how can Thanks, we, Jamie. How can we be praying for you today? I'll close us in prayer. Oh, you know, let's see. Um, Working from home, homeschooling, (laughs) new baby, kind of under the weather, maybe just, you know, that the Lord would continue to minister to me and give me his peace. I get, you know, I struggle with bouts of of the pressure of like, oh, I've got so much to do. You know, just what we do as women, right? Like there's so much to do. I'm behind. I wake up behind. 
So I think just living in the peace of like, my best is sufficient for today. And whatever I can do, I commit to the Lord and do it with excellence. Just, yeah, prayers for that. Because I know we're all juggling a lot too. We're all trying to, you know, just manage the house and the work and everything we're trying to do the best we can. Yeah. Well, having two kids, one of which is eight weeks old, you're amazing. You're doing an amazing job. You're a great mom. You're, you have an incredible ministry. So just know that you're doing a great job. Thank you. Thank you so much. I appreciate your encouragement so much. I need it every day. (laughs) All right. Well, thank you, Aaron. And let's pray. God, thank you so much for bringing Erin here to talk with us about her books, her ministry, and just for us to take some time and, and remember the importance of just opening ourselves up to you, God, in every aspect of our lives and inviting you to be our partner. Um, I just ask that you would bring to mind those people that don't know you help us to be more mindful of just your calling for us to reach out to them and to love them and to pray for them more fervently and more consistently um, because of the hope that we have in you, God. And just this testimony that Aaron gave us of the hope of, of her leaving her faith and then just coming back and, and, being equipped to pursue you so passionately. Um, God, we just, we pray that that would be true for all of those that don't know you now that are on our hearts. We lift her up to you now, God. I just praise you for her healing from cancer. We just pray for you to just bless her and heal her from this um, cough and sore throat and just restore her, give her energy, give her just every single thing that she needs to do all of the things that that she has on her plate now. We thank you for her new baby and the blessing of her two girls. We pray your blessing over her marriage. Um, Lord, we just pray that your peace that transcends all understanding would guard her heart and her mind in Christ Jesus, that she would be able to just walk in your peace, even when chaos is swirling around her, God, even when the to-do list seems so much longer than the day is long, um, that your peace would permeate every aspect of her life, God, that she would be walking with purpose and um, just confidence that you've got this and that you have her and that you would give her clarity of vision, that you would order her thoughts and her priorities um, we just pray that that you would just um, just bless their home and their ministry, that you would expand it, that you would just um, bring about salvations and transformed lives through through their ministry together, God, that you would protect their marriage as they work together and minister together, and that you would grow it, God, that that in the times where it seems like it should be stressful, and cause friction, God, that you would use those times to grow them even closer together and closer to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Jamie. Thanks for joining us on today's episode of the Praying Christian Women podcast. We'd love to hear from you, so please leave us a comment to let us know what questions or topics we can address in future shows. Then hop over to prayingchristianwomen.com slash journal to download your free prayer guide. We're so glad you joined us for today's show, and we wish you God's deepest blessings as you draw closer to Him and change the world 